You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Thank you. You got me. Soiled my pants. I was not expecting that one. That's another reason for a wardrobe change right there. <laughs> okay. Great. Well, let me just say this real quick. Well, I'm Josh. Um, I told the last service, I'm usually known as Holly Franklin's husband. She's that woman right there. I'm sure you all know her before you know me, and that will connect us. So, oh, you're that guy. Um, and, uh, and then again, my only claim to fame is being David Gay's body devil, which I take very serious. And uh, one day you'll see me come up here and just kind of take the guitar and strum it while he walks off to the green room. That's kind of my deal. <laughs> but anyways, one more thing. Thank you, Antley. This is a big deal that he lets people come up here and preach. Uh, it doesn't happen anywhere else. There's no other church um, that, that allows this type of freedom and kind of cultivates people in this way. So it's a big deal. So I'm extremely grateful. It's a privilege um, to preach God's truth to God's people, and especially to borrow a pulpit here and to do this with. So I dig it. I love it. And I'm massively humbled by it. And, and it's a privilege, okay? So what I'd like to do... Um, is I want to cheese out on you for a little bit today and talk about Christmas, okay? And, um, and I entitled the message, Hey, guys, it's Christmas. So we can just... <laughs> I don't know why. It's like a Seth Jan Stevens song. Um, anyways, because it's happy. You know, it's good. There's like this massive truth there that we get to uncover. Um, so, Tim, I'm going to mix you up, man. I'm going to just read the passage. So it's in Luke chapter 2. I'll just read through it, and then, uh, and then we'll get to work, okay? So can you bring, bring up that one? Thanks, man. Okay, so it's in Luke 2. Um, and it's, it's a story about the shepherds and the angels and that, that whole deal, um, the glorious story. And so let's just read through it, and then we'll get, get, get into it. 2 verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold... I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then on to 13 through 15. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom... He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And I just want to pray briefly, just Holy Spirit, I just pray you would unlock belief for us today, that you love us completely, that the Father's heart for us is known, that you've made it known, and that he fully loves us. Just unlock belief in that today. I just pray that peace would rush in, in Jesus' name. So, to begin camping out, uh, about Christmas, I wanted to start off with two very amazing theologians. The first one is Dr. Seuss, and the second one is Frank Costanza from Seinfeld, okay? And hopefully they'll give us some perspective of what, what happens during this time, because here's the deal. Well, let me read these, and then I'll get into it. So, first, I don't have the quotes for the, for the screen. So, Dr. Seuss says, in The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, and if I read this to you like a little kid, I'm sorry, I have little kids, and we read Dr. Seuss all the time. I'll work on that here, but... Here we go. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? 
It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. Which makes me want to rap. And he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. What if Christmas, he thought, does it come from a store? What if Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more? I like that. He's preaching. <clears throat> Next one. Frank Costanza. There's a little exchange between Frank Costanza, who's George Costanza's dad, and uh, Kramer, Cosmo Kramer. Okay? So Frank Costanza says, Many Christmases ago, <laughs> I went to buy a doll for my son. I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As I rained down blows upon him, <laughs> I realized there had to be another way. You see, you see he's like he's getting it. Like this, something's not right here about what's happening during this time. And Kramer responds to uh, Mr. Costanza, what happened to the doll? And Frey Costanza responds, it was destroyed. But out of that, a new holiday was born, a festivus for the rest of us. Right? So the culture knows. They are, they are aware that something is very, very profound and kind of magical and beyond them that has taken place during this time. And that's good. We should call that out and say, that's good. You're on the path. Frank Costanza has seen that there's something profoundly personal about this time and beating somebody over the head is probably not the way. There must be a better way, right? And then the Grinch, he sees that, look, there's, there's something that goes beyond what I can touch and like materialize in, in that way. Like there's, there's something really, really spiritual about this. And you see the culture kind of saying these things. And we as redeemed people, it's good. We should call those things out and say, yes, you're right. You're on the right path. Let me lead you a little farther longer. Let me lead you to the water of truth. And that's good. Okay? That's good. And so the profound personal aspect of this, we should grasp that too. So I want to I fall on that today. Okay? I just want to land there and, and I want to talk about how personal what happened and this time of history is to us and God. So between us and God. If you could, man, you throw up my other pictures. So um, I got some other pictures for you. And it's... Um, a shameless way to possibly soften you. 12 picks? 12, 18 picks? Oh, bummer. Okay. Well, the pictures were, one of them was my, my baby girl, Willow, and she looked as cuddly as ever. She looked like cotton candy on it, just so you know. You just want to eat her when you see the picture. There you go. Isn't she so yummy? Look at that. All right, next one. Thanks, man. That's my man, Caden. Huh? Cues can be strong like his dad. Titus. He's still a superhero even though he's grouchy. That's okay. But see, we have these pictures. We have thousands of pictures of our children, right? We keep them with us in many different ways. Do you believe that God has a picture of you in his wallet? Do you believe that? And that he sees you in those ways? It's true. He sees you like a cuddly, cute, soft, squishy, beautiful little baby girl. You know, contextually, okay? <laughs> he sees you as in superhero gear, even when you're grumpy. He still sees that on you. And so what's so amazing about this is that it's very difficult for human beings, including myself, to believe this, that he actually has a picture of me. And he sees me in that light. And he loves me very much. And so I would like to tell you today what I want to break down about this Christmas event that takes place. That, you know, if you look, you know, one of the traditions of our family is we, we used to go to Mass all the time. 
And the only thing that fascinates us about math is just that it's this thing that happens all over the globe, you know, at like similar times. And it's just kind of this beautiful kind of congregation of millions of human beings coming around this event, this, this arrival of Jesus, trying to make sense of it between them and God. That's what's happening. We're just trying to make sense of what has happened because we want to, we want, we want to be in relation with this God. And so we come, and we come around and we make sense of this. And so, uh, so it's really difficult for us sometimes to believe that God sees us in the ways that show in those pictures. And so all I want to do is kind of come around and camp at Christmas and look at this thing called the incarnation. It's a big, scary theological term, but it's not that scary. It just means that God assumed the form of human, uh, humanity, okay? So he just comes and he takes on the form. And, and I just want to just take a look at that and see what happened, okay? So when we, when we look at something like this, I just have three questions. What happened? What are the implications? And what is happening? Okay? And so I don't want to brush over it. I just want to camp there. And I want to look at the scriptures again. I'm going to make you throw up again. Go look too. And let's just take a quick look at what happened exactly. So the event, the, the moment that this thing that happens that we call the birth of Jesus. But at the end of the day, I would argue to you that we're, just, we're not just celebrating the birth of a baby. Like something massive has happened. And so the angels, they come and they, they visit the shepherds, okay? You know the story. I won't give you a bunch of background and stuff. Um, but anyways, there's shepherds in the field. Boom, they have this supernatural spiritual encounter. An angel shows up and he says this. Again, Luke 2, 8 through 12. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear, which kind of gives validity to what's being said because it, it makes sense. Like when we encounter something supernatural, you get a little frightful about it, okay? Because you're not really sure what's happening here. Something very powerful and beyond me is I'm encountering here. So that kind of says, okay, maybe something really is profound taking place here. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. You've heard it also said, great tidings of, of great, good tidings of great joy, that sort of thing. So we see here that it's almost like the angel is unveiling like this, the, the intention of God. So that's what I want to see. That's what I see here. That's what I want you to see desperately, is that there's this intention of God's heart that is being unveiled to the shepherds about this moment in history that is, that is taking place, about this birth, that he is making known um, for all time that this is a joyous occasion. And it's joyous because there's certainty in the plans that God has for humanity. That's why we can have hope. That's how we have rest in our soul. We have certainty. We don't have certainty about anything else. But in terms of me and Papa, I have certainty about his love. If I can't, all is lost. Are you with me? I mean, that's, that's the track of humanity all throughout time, wanting so desperately to have certainty between them and God, the relationship, their standing. That in itself is good news. And then you hear the angels say, look, I bring you good news. Not bad news. It's good news for all people. It's not bad news that God has come. Like when your boss shows up and you're not working, that's bad news. He's here. This is different. God's here. It's good news. Again, trying to ease the fear of the shepherds, trying to let them know this is massive. But look, this is all with good intentions, loving intentions, certainty in this and what God is doing here. And then they tell them that, you know, this event impacts everyone. So this is massive that's being downloaded to these, these shepherds, okay? And later on, when they're in the stable talking to Mary, like they've dropped this prophetic word on them, everything that was shared to them. 
normal guys, normal folks, shepherding. And they go and they drop a word that rocks Mary, if you read on later on in the passage. So we see that. And then also, we see the kind of this kind greeting from God about this, right? So I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. When you start an email, do you say, hey, you suck? No. Unless, I mean, unless you're mad at that person. <clears throat> no. Because they'll respond, they'll, they're not going to understand like, what's going on. There's some, there'll be um, tension there immediately. No. You start it with, hey, how you doing? Nice to see you. Nice to talk to you. Similar thing, I think. God is like starting this letter to us. And so I see kindness kind of coming out of here. And I see the angels trying to convey kindness to the shepherds. And then the natural question is, why would they do that? Because it's, it's massively important that human beings understand that God loves them. That he's not out to smite them. That he's not out to destroy them. That he loves them. That there's something very profound taking place here. And he's bringing this peace. He's starting this letter in Jesus, who's also been referred to as the living epistle of love. This letter of God's heart for people. And so it's beginning here. And so you kind of see that here in this encounter, okay? So that's what happened, right? Encounter, God's plans for humanity and for them, the shepherds, for us, for you, for me. This personal encounter about personal plans. Let's keep going. Let's go on to verse 13. How does it continue? So what are the implications of this? What are the implications of what happened? 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, let me just stop there. That's insane too. You got one angel and then immediately you have a bunch of other ones. So again, massive event, massive encounter. God is making known his heart to these shepherds. And I would also, I feel like I, I should say too, like these encounters are for us as well. We can have these encounters, these experiences, these massive kind of life-changing um, contacts with, with God. But anyways, every, all these angels appear, multitude, and they start singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us, which I think is hilarious. They just looked at each other and said, we've got to check this out. This is crazy. And then they go find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, okay? Because they know, again, just like the culture is saying, there's just, there's just longing. We know something massive has taken place, and, it, and it's something that has to do with us and God. It's very personal. And so what's happening? Well, look, it says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. I say God is purposing peace. And he's telling the shepherds this. He wants it known that he is making peace with man. And that is massive. That shapes our lives. Our understanding of that shapes our behavior, shapes our relationship with God, shapes how we show God to others. So peace is being purpose. And, and then, you know, I'll geek out on you just for a second. You know, Jesus is called uh, the Prince of Peace. I think you read the scripture earlier today. It's called the Prince of Peace in Isaiah. And then it says, well, when the angels went away, for, or glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And I only touch on that because it's, it's interesting that, that peace had come to earth and was meant to be there among us. 
You know, Matt gave a testimony earlier about, uh, in another service, about smelling the presence of God. And so what sticks out to me about that, it seems like God is making it known that this peace that he's making with man, it's also to be tasted and touched and seen. I mean, I could throw another verse in, in the Old Testament about taste and see how good the Lord is. Like these things, like he wants this peace to be encountered, not just proclaimed, not just declared, but experienced and encountered and dispensed and administered because it's good for people. It's good for humanity. And it makes known the heart of God and brings him glory. That's why we love the presence. The presence is good. There's love there. There's certainty there. There's peace there. And so all that I feel like swirling about in the Christmas event, right? All of that. That's insane. <laughs> Let me keep going. So peace that can be experienced. We talk about the kingdom a lot here at this church. Moving the kingdom forward. Experiencing the kingdom. Bringing it out. All those sorts of things. In Paul's letter to the Romans, he tells you what the kingdom is. It's very simple. The kingdom is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And you can see its effects when it's administered, when we receive it. And the beauty of it, too, as well, is we have nothing to do with it. We just bring our lives into agreement with it. And we bring our hearts into a posture of reception towards it. That's all God wants. Hear me on this. God is the catalyst of peace. So what does this mean? He's not mad at you. He's not. He's the catalyst of peace, which means we don't make peace with God. He's already made peace with us. You know, I saw pictures when I was soaking and just trying to, just trying to pray over what exactly I was supposed to talk about. And I saw these pictures of um, females wearing uh, burkas and kind of, I just got the sense that they felt like they needed to hide themselves from God. And I saw another picture of um, like a marathon runner who was completely worn out, sweating, who was kind of walking down this long, dark hallway with no light, no end, nowhere in sight. And he just didn't know what to do, but he just kept trying to work towards it. And, and I think it's critical. This is what I, I feel like the angels were telling this, and this is, this is what's happening in the incarnation, right? God coming to earth as man in Jesus, starting this. Starting this message, writing this letter, you don't need to make peace with me. It's already been made. Just receive it. Peace, the peace that I've made with you is not determined by anything you do or don't do. And I mean, if you think about it, that's good news. That's why it's good. It has nothing to do with us other than he loves us. I did that. And so what's happening? What's happening now? So God has made it known that this peace has been made, and he's made it, and he's making it, right? He's made it, started the work, completes it in Jesus on the cross. If you can pop to James real quick, and I'll finish up. <clears throat> and this is really great. This is cool. I could delve into this for, like, hours just because I can geek out on all this type of stuff. If you want to know about me, like, I dig the Matrix and all that kind of stuff. That's, like, my perspective on, on God and life, like, I... I'd take the prism of the matrix and put it over top of everything, you know. Awakening to truth and participating in the purposes of God and jumping off buildings and stuff. All that kind of stuff, man. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you know. <laughs> but anyways, sorry, I digress. Uh, James, 
listen to this one. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You hear like this, these, these agrarian terminology. But look, here's the deal. It's almost like we're, we're harvesting peace when we walk in it and receive it. We dispense it and administer it, and we usher in the presence of it. That's why the presence is so good, and we bring it to everywhere we are. We bring it here. We bring it out. We bring it to the workplace. That's what we do. But it starts with believing that this peace has already been made, and we just receive it. And so then we live in ways that welcome others into this reality. That's, that's what happens. That God has made peace with you. We're making known the heart of the Father. We're making known the heart of the Father. You see that all throughout the scriptures. And we get to play. We get to participate in that stuff. And that's ridiculous. And you hear about it at motion. You hear about it at other things. And I got buddies that do all kinds of crazy things I've heard of. And I've had some experiences as well. I mean, it's so fun. I mean, you feel most alive when your life is in most agreement with who he says you are. <clears throat> so it's like... You know, he's empowering us to continue this work, this, you know, this divine conspiracy. He's conspiring to make peace with us. Why is that such a conspiracy? Why can't we just receive that? Now, we have to be careful not to inhibit other people from receiving this peace. Okay? Because we believe it's so massive, so insanely true. Because truth is so critical to people. Jesus says it sets us free. You know, we can lean on truth in our most difficult and toughest times. Or when we're having faith, we're still we're leaning on truth, what God says about us, what God says about people. Truth is so massive. You know, we're trying to practice Advent as a family right now um, with our little ones. And it's difficult, you know, because, you know, if I get up there and, and I read all these passages, you know, they're gone. <laughs> like, like cockroaches, they're gone. Peesh. Willow's still there but just because she can't crawl, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> But the reason we're trying to do Advent is not because we, we hate the culture, okay? Obviously, I just lifted up Frank Costanza and Dr. Seuss, okay? We're, we're, we're trying to practice Advent because we want them, we want our children to walk in this reality. Not just a principle, but it's a reality that God has made peace with you. And we come around this, and we want to, we want to enter into the presence of this reality during this time. And we want to tell the world that's what's happening here. That's why it's good. That's why Jesus is so good. His love is massive. So, I conclude that we've all been welcomed into this. We can all conspire with God to usher people into the essence of his reality, this peace that he has made. We all get to play. You don't need to earn it. You don't need to work towards it. You don't need to make peace from God. You don't need to hide from him. In order that peace may be made, again, it's already been made. All you have to do is just receive it. It's a get to, not a have to. It's good, man. We pray. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I love you. We love Jesus. We love this peace that you've made with us. Help us to receive it. Help us to experience it. Help us to touch it, smell it. Help us to usher it in. Help us to believe it. I just pray you would unlock belief. That your peace would just fall and flow over us. We love you. Amen.